chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. Um, of course, we are continuing uh, with our series, uh, Facing Our Giants. And uh, so far, we have uh, uh, <clears throat> considered the giant of disappointment, the giant of fear, the giant of loneliness. And uh, last Sunday, we learned uh, the, about the giant of bitterness, bitterness. And uh, once again, uh, I trust that uh, you have made some personal applications on this subject. And uh, tonight, uh, as a part of the uh, installment, of course, into this series, uh, we are going to face the giant of worry. The giant of worry. And uh, uh, reminds me uh, of a husband who was worried and feeling sorry for himself. And uh, suddenly confessed to his wife and said, Darling, sometimes I really am worried and think that I'm nothing but an idiot. And his loving wife held his hand tenderly and said, Don't worry, darling. Lots of people think like that. In fact, almost everyone knows that you really are an idiot. And so, uh, boy, oh boy. Uh, I'm not an idiot anyway. Sometimes. All right. Okay. I better preach before I get into real trouble here. Matthew chapter 6. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew 6. And uh, if you're able, would you stand me, please? Uh, Stand with me, please, here in verse 25 uh, and uh, all the way to 34. Matthew 6, verse 25. And the Bible says, Therefore... I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all of these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Father, thank you once again for the privilege to preach your word. Thank you that uh, we have read this passage far too many times, and yet every time we look at your word, Uh, and see this part of your sermon, 
uh, Lord, we uh, overwhelmed uh, once again and confirmed in our faith that if we look back in our life, indeed, Father, uh, you have provided for us our needs and even uh, our, the desires of our hearts. So once again, as we uh, perhaps be refreshed anew on a thought that perhaps we've heard and uh, already know, uh, tonight, Father, I pray once again that we would be encouraged uh, again in your word and uh, as always, we'll make our own personal applications in this our time. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that we have your word to look into day after day and be uh, encouraged by it. And that's the goal. That's the desire for tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Beloved, no one can deny that the, we live in a world of worry. We live in a world of worry. For many of us, sadly, we say, why trust when you can worry? You know, it's the reverse, of course. Uh, of we, we should say, why worry when you can trust? But uh, sadly, sometimes we do it on the reverse. Now, we don't articulate, we don't verbalize that as such. Uh, but worry or worrying is a favorite pastime of, of uh, saints and sinners alike. Everyone uh, worry. It dominates and occupies uh, our thinking, uh, if not daily, hourly. And so, beloved, did you know that worry creates a severe burden on people? Aside from the fact that it affects uh, man and woman physically, psychologically, emotionally, mentally, and yes, spiritually. The Bible says that uh, <clears throat> as a child of God, we actually sin when we're worrying. We think about that a little bit more. Uh, it's like saying, Lord... I know you said that you're going to take care of me. I just don't know whether you can pull it off. I just don't know where you would really rescue me in the midst of my worry or my problem. You see, beloved, worrying is disbelieving and distrusting God who promised to take care of us, who provided for us. Yet most of the time, we as God's people, we still worry and disbelieve him for what he already promised to do. Somebody said, <clears throat> worry is interest paid on trouble before it is due. Another put it this way, worry is faith in the negative, trust in the unpleasant, assurance of disaster, and belief in defeat. Worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. There's a lot in those little quotes. Corrie ten Boom 
apparently used to recite a little couplet. Worries an old man with bended head, carrying a load of feathers which he thinks are lead. You know, lead, heavy, lead. She understood that anxiety is foolish because it concerns that which is isn't. It deals with what ifs and could be's, speculation and possibility. And as long as we dwell on the worst case scenario, Fiona's smiling, so I'm guilty of this. I always think of the worst. You know, as long as we're dealing with the worst case scenario, we guarantee our own misery. For an extensive catalog of calamity is always within the reach of imagination. But what does sorry or worry really mean? Now, to my surprise, when I searched for the word worry, okay, the exact word worry in the King James, I couldn't find it. There's no verse in the KJV that used the word worry. The concept of worry is there, of course, uh, and we just read it in our text here. Uh, The Greek word, nevertheless, for worry is merimna. You can find it, and the the thought of it, in 17 places in the New Testament, and usually it's translated to care, to be anxious, uh, to be concerned. It's a combination of two words, firstly to divide, and the second is mind. Worry, then, is a divided mind. Mm. A divided mind, meaning distracted mind. And I have to ask, are you facing the giant of worry tonight with your distracted mind? and your divided mind. Now Jesus, of course, warned his disciples against worry. And indeed, for the next few minutes, let us examine this matter of worry and worrying. Firstly, how does worry come to us? How does it creep up upon us? Uh, And it uh, develops and, and grows upon us. How does that happen? Well, truth be told, many times... We find ourselves worrying about matters that we need not to worry about at all. And it just creeps onto us. Because things that we shouldn't really be worrying, we are worrying about it. Here's a survey for you. University of Wisconsin found a study that 40% of the things we worry about never actually happen. 40%. 30% of our worrying is about things about the past that we could not change anymore. 10% are petty worries. 12% are needless health worries. And then 8% are really just the legitimate worries. Now, I just said, as a child of God, we need not worry. Uh, We don't have legitimate worries because 
God has already promised that he will take care of us. Now secondly, what is the cause of worry? Notice that the things that people worry about today are the same worries in Jesus' time when he said this at the Sermon of the Mount. Verse 25. People were then, and so it is today, are worried about food and clothes. How so? We don't worry about food these days. That's just them during their time. Well, I hate to break it to you. If you talk to the normal Joe blog in the street of Melbourne tonight, ask them about the cost of living, and you're going to get it from them. And they're going to tell you about their concerns uh, about food. Now, I'm not being dismissive. It is true. There is merit in what their concerns are regarding food tonight. Uh, I went to the shops the other day and uh, I bought um, a dozen egg, uh, not even the branded ones, okay, just the Coles brand eggs. Tell me how much it cost. Six buck twenty. Pastor, where did you? Which Coles was this? Six dollars twenty. Oh, fair enough. It's the, uh, the 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 jumbo size. Six dollars twenty it was. Do you know how much bananas cost these days? You know, monkeys love bananas. Four bucks. Four dollars. A kilo of beef means, not the premium one, fourteen dollars. Two liters of milk, again, just the coarse branded ones, three dollars ten. And if you want the A2 premium milk, it will cost you $6.95. <laughs> I could go on and on with this. And so, yeah, if you ask the normal job blog out there in the streets of Melbourne tonight, they are concerned. They are worried about food and food prices. Now, understand that the time, at the time of Christ, they didn't have cold supermarket, of course. Uh, they were in an, uh, what we call an agricultural economy. And so if it doesn't rain, uh, then there is no water, and no water, no crop, no crop, no food, no food, famine. And so when the Lord Jesus said to them, Take no thought of your life, what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, that would have been a shock to their system, beloved. Uh, and so, but still, the Lord said, do not worry about food. Is not life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, do they reap, neither do they reap, nor gather into bonds, yet our heavenly Father feedeth them. And here it is, are ye not much more or better than they. Now turn to Job <clears throat> chapter 38, verse 41. Job chapter 38, <clears throat> uh, here in verse 41. <clears throat> 
Job chapter 38, here in verse 41. Who provideth for the raven his food when his young ones cry unto God? They wonder for lack of meat. Now, turn with me now to Psalm 147. After reading that passage or that verse in Job, Psalm 147, here in verse 9. Okay, Psalm 147, verse 9. He giveth to the beast his food and to the young ravens which cry. So in Job, we find that the ravens cry. And here in Psalm 147, we find that the Lord uh, himself feeds them. Now I learned that the ravens forces their young out from the nest as soon as they are able to fly. I also learned that rabbinical writers say that when the old ravens see the young coming into the world which are not black ravens, they regard them as offspring of serpents and they flee away from them. They desert those little young ravens. Now I've checked it out because I've never really seen a white raven and so I, I googled the thing, and it's true. They are, in fact, white ravens. So the rabbinical writings, okay, they're not infallible words. Okay, they're what we call extra-biblical writings. Uh, at that time, when the white ravens are born into the nest, the, the, the mother raven will just leave that young. And so who then feeds the other 8,000 species of birds, including the ravens in the air. The Bible has the answer. God takes care of them. Now you see, as true as that is, nowhere in the entire Bible that you will find that the Lord Jesus died for the ravens and the birds. He died for you and for me. And so the consideration here is that if God had already given us life, would he not support and sustain that life? Now turn with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Would he not sustain that life that he has given us? Romans chapter 8. Here in verse 32. <clears throat> He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now this is a logic of the, the greater and the lesser. My dear ones, God fearfully and wonderfully made us, the Bible says, right? He made us. He gave us also, his best in his son, the Lord Jesus, to redeem us, to justify us, to sanctify us, uh, and indeed to glorify us. And we are about to meet him in the air when he sounds the trump 
of God. And the Bible says to receive us unto himself, that where he is, we might be also. Now, those are deep theological doctrines of the Bible, and we believe that. We accept that to be true. And we look forward to receiving or being received in his glory to be with his presence forever and ever with him. And when his purposes, when his eternal purposes and his sovereign purposes are finished, the Bible says that he will dwell with men and he will be our God uh, and we will be his people forever and ever. And we will walk the streets of gold in a city whose builder and maker is God. We believe that. Don't we? We look forward to it. And yet, we couldn't trust him for food and clothing. We worry about it. How can we believe in all of these greater things and yet worry about lesser things? We cannot trust him from the ver- for the very basics of life here on earth. It doesn't make sense, does it? It's ridiculous, really. But sadly, that is exactly what we do. We worry rather than trusting. Let's talk about clothes. And because of alliteration, I'll use the word fashion. Did you know that the fashion industry in Australia contributed around 27.2 billion Australian dollars to the national economy in 2021 alone? And the global fashion industry is valued at 1.7 trillion dollars as of 2023. Wow. That is a lot of clothes, Andre. That is tons and millions of tons of clothes. (laughs) And you know what, folks? Many people leave for clothes. The most important place in their whole world is the wardrobe. I'm not picking on her. Okay, but the important place in their life is their wardrobe. It's not so much that they have nothing to wear, but rather what to wear is their worry. Okay, what to wear is their worry. For some, fashion is their God. Again, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should look drab or not our best. uh, Because if we don't, that is also not a good testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially in a society that is so fashion conscious. We can exercise modesty, I say this. uh, And we can project a Christian uh, uh, image in the way we carry ourselves, in the way that we dress ourselves for a good testimony for Jesus Christ. Okay? We don't have to wear clothes with bibs all the time. All right? Or uh, anything uh, 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 that will actually draw attention to ourselves in the negative way. So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we should not look our best, but looking our best does not mean that we will have to wear Louis Vuitton. Christian Dior or Versace all the time. 
Turn with me, please, to 1 Peter chapter 3. Of course, I'm giving you principles here. 1 Peter chapter 3. <clears throat> here in uh, verse 3, Peter writes here, Whose adorning, let it not be that outward adorning of plaiting the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel. Verse 4, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. Of great price. Notice that the principle here is not the outward adorning, but the heart, the ornament of a meek, quiet spirit, which in the sight of God is of great price. So do not worry about food. Do not worry about fashion. And thirdly, do not worry about the future. Notice verse 27 of our text, if you go back to Matthew 6, please. Uh, the word uh, stature there is, uh, let me just go back there, Matthew 6, uh, here in verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? The word stature here is halakia. And it has the idea of not really height, but rather length, or in this case and in the context, the span of life. The span of life. Somebody said that worrying is like sitting on a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. True? Uh, think of that little mouse in the cage who is frantically running in that spinning wheel around and around and around. And uh, somebody said, uh, <laughs> I didn't have time to verify this, okay? Some 14,000 kilometers over its lifetime. Now I looked it up, Tim. What is 14,000 kilometers away from Melbourne? And I found one, and it's in Moscow, Russia. It takes, um, where is it? It takes about two days and two minutes of flying time on an aircraft traveling 300 kilometers per hour. It's amazing to consider for all that distance being run by, uh, run by the mouse, it still didn't go anywhere. That mouse is still in the cage after 14,000 kilometers of running. Folks, that's what worry does. It doesn't take us anywhere. And we can spend our lifetime spinning in worry, and it doesn't take us anywhere. And so the Lord asked, which of you, by worrying, can add to your life? If anything, by worrying, we can probably shorten our lives through the effects of worry uh, and the toil that it brings into our minds and bodies. But I'm speaking foolishly, of course. Because we have an appointed time, you see. Hebrews 9.27 As it is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. I have an appointment. Okay, in fact, I've got an appointment with my doc next week, but I also have an appointment 
in the uh, eternal plan of God that uh, when I get to that point, time is up for me. You see, no amount of worry, beloved, can either prolong or shorten our days. None of us can add a second, a minute, an hour, a day, a week, a month, a year into our life. No amount of vitamin A, B, C, or D, and whatever combinations you have can, and no amount of exercise and healthy eating can prolong your life. But don't misunderstand me. Don't get me wrong. Taking care and being a good steward of our bodies, and I'm not a good example of this, I understand. I don't have cred to speak this about you. I'm speaking on the authority of my references here. While it cannot and ultimately, strictly speaking, prolong our life through all the healthy living and all, that means our God-ordained life, it can, however, make our existence on this sin-stricken fallen world better. So still, living healthily, eating the right food, doing the exercise, having enough sleep, and all the vitamins, yes, can do not, cannot and will not add to your span of life, but it can add to your quality of life. If we are healthy, of course, we can function better, and we can do a lot more physically, and we can devote that physicality in the service of the Lord compared to somebody who is always sick and unable to do the things of God. Now what I am referring to here is that misplaced obsession to healthy living. As if by adhering and being consumed to the point of worrying about it can somehow add to their years into this life. That false advertising and false uh, attraction of, uh, of somehow allowing us to live longer. Beloved, the Bible says no one can add one cubit or stature is the word there uh, to the time that God has already predetermined unless, of course, he be merciful to us. You know, you and I can drop dead while running or walking on a treadmill just like John Ilham. Right in the middle of his workout, just drop dead. A very healthy and fit man. Why? Because God has preordained our time is up when it's up. So verse 31. But before we do that, my, my dear ones, having anxiety and worry about our health, okay, and, and a false sense of the future will do us not any good. Besides, who wants to stay longer in this miserable world that Brother Abdu has already said? I don't know about you, I'd like to spend time in glory above. And so please, don't misunderstand me, but this obsession and this worrying about uh, somehow adding to our life is a myth. You'll be chasing it forever. Okay? So verse 31 to 32. I believe we find here a gentle rebuke 
or at the very least, an admonition from the Lord. Take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Yeah. Now understand, this passage here in Matthew 6 is part of the, the discourse of the Lord Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount, Matthew 5 up to Matthew 7. And so uh, he was talking here to uh, his disciples uh, and those, of course, that are hearing him. And so he's saying to his disciples, if you are worrying about these things, you're no different to the Gentiles. Ouch. Because back then, when you're called a Gentile, you're pagan, you're heathen, you don't have the one and true God. And so uh, the inference, of course, is that uh, they don't have the providential God, and they would seek these things, they would prioritize these things, they would worry about these things, because verse 32, they don't have a heavenly Father that knows what they needed and provides for what they needed. So it's a gentle rebuke from the Lord Jesus. What are you worrying about tonight then? Is it food? Is it fashion? Is it future? And so in closing, and as always by application, how do we face this giant? How do we slay this and have victory over worry? Is it even possible to defeat worry and worrying. Well, I believe so. I certainly do. Because God, or the Lord, in fact, will not uh, tell his disciples and or us here in his word if that's not possible. I believe that we can beat the, the giant of worry, not because we are able in and of ourselves or somehow we are or I am that super Christian. No, I believe it is possible to not worry because God commanded us not to, number one, and said he knows of all what we need, will ever need in the future. And he will provide for it. Here in verse 33, uh, it says, He is seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things for itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Uh, notice some principles here. This is the application part. When and how we can slay this giant of worry. Number one, go back to verse 30 of our text. And it says there, O ye of little faith. Beloved, when we worry, we really are confirming what the, the Lord Jesus has already said. Little faith. It always goes back to that. George Washington Truett was the pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas from 1897 until 1944. I know this is a long time, and he said, Worry is a mild form of atheism. Worry is a mild form of atheism. For when we worry, we are acting like there is no God. End of quote. Isn't that the, the atheist view? That there is no God? 
And so when we worry, in one way or another, we're acting as if there is no God who already promised, I'll take care of you. I hope we're not acting like there is no God tonight. I hope not, I pray not. The Lord said in verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now that's God's priority for men. And if it is so, and it is, then it should also be our priority. Now I know this is a Sunday night crowd, the faithful ones, okay. The assumption is that you've already sought the kingdom of God and you have a place in God's kingdom. You have professed faith in Jesus Christ. You know your destiny tonight that if we're all uh, going to be, uh, the, the, that if we die tonight or if the trump of God sounds, we are going to, uh, to see him and we'll meet him in the air. I understand that being the Sunday night crowd. And one of you or some of you would say, well, that doesn't apply to me then because I've already sought and found the kingdom of God. Oh, a very wrong thing to do. This means for us as believers already that we do not only worry about the things of this world, but rather point people to seek the kingdom of God. And so when the Lord Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, He's talking to his disciples to do that. And for us that are already disciples, we are to point people to seeking the kingdom of God. That's our application for us. You see, the average man walking down the streets of Melbourne, they're not seeking God. They're seeking some form of God, small g, or their own version of God. That is, of course, food, fashion, and their false sense of security in the future, which is normally their dollars and cents as their security. Paul, uh, in Acts 20, uh, people were saying to him, Paul, don't go to Jerusalem. Something bad is going to happen to you. People are, uh, are waiting upon you. You're going to get persecuted there. Uh, and, and so please don't go. That's the, the, the background on Acts 20. But Paul said, and I believe he wasn't interested in food, fashion, and yes, I believe not even his glorious future, uh, because he said in in verse uh, 22, uh, neither count I my life, okay, uh, unto myself, uh, my life dear unto myself. He's prepared to lose his life as he goes to Jerusalem at this time. His concern was that he might finish his and this is encouraging to me this week beloved to finish the course with joy finish the course with joy and what is that course what is that ministry that Paul and every other believer received from the Lord Jesus it's this in this verse again to testify of the gospel of grace of God. That's the course. That's what we need to finish. Beloved, getting lost men into the kingdom of God and his righteousness is God's priority more than anything else. How could it not be ours? 
And as we close, verse 34, another version puts it this way. Don't worry about tomorrow. It will take care of itself. You have enough worry about today. Remember when I started this evening? Only 8% of what people worry about are real. And 40% aren't even going to happen. And so for the child of God, a genuine child of God, we have no worries. It's hakuna matata for us. It means no worries. The fact is, when tomorrow's troubles come, tomorrow's grace and mercy will be there to meet them. Psalm 136, verse 1, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Lamentations 3.22, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so, beloved, let us leave tomorrow alone. Let us leave one day at a time. Let us not worry about the things that may not even happen. And even if they did, the Lord knows and he will take care of it. Oh, he does. Proven. Uh, We have been uh, talking about this. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I worry? No, will not worry, but rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, whatever tomorrow brings, this is the many version, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. Why? For when I am weak, then am I strong. Hmm. The story is told of a ship sailing from Liverpool to New York. The captain of the ship had his family with him on this trip. That ship ran into a terrible storm, and the captain's little girl was awakened by this terrible storm. What's the matter, she asked. Her mother told her they were in a terrible storm. The little girl asked, Is father on the bridge? Yes, the mother said. Father is on the bridge. The little little girl then lay her head back on the pillow and went back to sleep. Oh, folks. Our Lord is indeed on the bridge. And more than that, by his spoken word, he will And he can stop the storm. The best captain of salvation ever. So why would we worry? I know it's hard. And I know it's very tempting. But tonight we can put our heads on the pillow. Knowing that God the Father is on the bridge. And more than that, he can stop the storm. And we can sleep peacefully, knowing that tomorrow will take care of itself. Father in heaven, thank you. Lord, that uh, as many times we faced uh, our lives with worry, 
And Lord, we're all guilty. At one point or another, we get anxious. Uh, we attempted to not trust you and think of our circumstances, our difficulties, and the challenges of life. Lord, forgive us for when we do those things. For when we forget that the lilies of the field, the birds of the air, uh, you've taken care of them and you already said how much more that we are. We say we believe you. We believe in the redemption of, our, of your, uh, your son, uh, Jesus Christ, effective to us. Yet we cannot trust you for our food, for our clothing, and indeed our shelter. Oh, Father, sometimes we are really are of little faith. And so tonight we pray forgiveness for our fainting. And Father, help us to be strong in you, to realize that when we are weak, then we really are strong, not in ourselves, but in you. Indeed, Father, for all our troubles of today and tonight, your grace is sufficient for our every need. Thank you for a good reminder of this. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.